I sold a lot on the Ebays of the world, and then I thought, actually, I would like to start my own website also, and because that's what I saw other people did. So I did that, and I thought lots of people were just going to buy automatically. The trouble was, we did get some visitors, but nobody bought, because yeah. they suspected that it was just Peter sitting in a basement with his friend, two kids <laughs> selling electronics. And the trouble with that was, it was actually true. And I didn't want to refer them to the Ebays of the world because all my competitors were there. Yeah. So I thought, why isn't there a way where I can gather my customers' opinions and show it in a credible way so that people trust my business? Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. Welcome to the first of three episodes with Peter Moman, CEO and founder of Trustpilot. When you're looking to select SaaS applications, you want detailed, validated, credible data, not magic. I interviewed Peter because he built a phenomenally successful B2B SaaS company that holds a huge position in online reviews with its biggest success in the B2B to C domain. Finance and retail are the biggest parts of that. It's a remarkable growth story. It has over 100 million reviews on its platform, raising 193 million since 2011, and it's a marketing powerhouse with well over 5 billion monthly impressions on its Trustpilot widgets. It has about 760 employees, 660 of those located in Denmark, the US and the UK. This is Peter's story and was recorded in the Web Summit in Lisbon at the end of 2019. I'm recording this update literally in a telephone box in the amazing Dogpatch Labs in Dublin in September 2020s. Peter takes us from his idyllic youth all the way to the powerful why behind Trustpilot and their two-stage experience of achieving product market fit. Peter Mulman, CEO and founder of Trustpilot, a major global independent review platform uh, reviewing businesses across multiple categories worldwide. Delighted to have you here in 40 Minutes of SaaS, Peter. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your life growing up in Copenhagen, I believe, um, prior to and including perhaps your days in Aarhus University. So I actually grew up in a very small town close to the German border. My dad is a doctor, my mom is a nurse, I have two younger sisters. We had a dog that thought it was a lion uh, and uh, life was really good and simple. Uh, then when I was 18, I thought it was time to do something new, so I moved to uh, a city to take an education. Uh, that was the city called Aarhus, uh, where I spent an enormous amount of years in business school before dropping out to do Trustpilot. And y your dog that thought it was a lion, tell me a little bit, and how small was the village? Tell so, us a little so, bit about so that. So it was a little, it was called a cane terrier. Uh, so, so it's a terrier dog and it's uh, about 30 centimeters long and 15 <laughs> to 20 centimeters tall. And uh, the Danish name it had translates into the English language as, it's a one word that means a lot of noise. <laughs> Perfect guard dog, right? Won't exactly. do any damage, but we'll exactly. keep you away. Exactly, and it had an amazing self-confidence. And how small was that town? It was about 1,000 to 2,000 people. I think uh, last year uh, in, in the local newspaper, they, they marked that it had now passed 2,000 people. Wow. So it was the sort of town where we were 11 people in the class, uh, and you basically knew everybody. Um, 
and and so a little bit like this movie childhood where you live in a house and you play in the forest and you oh, nice. walk to school yeah. uh, so so very uh, very safe um, uh, but uh, in some ways I'm, I'm actually also jealous of the kids that grow up in a city because they can meet other kids who are exactly like them uh, and I think that can also be a gift when you're when you're growing up absolutely yeah 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 uh, there's, there's, there's a bit more uh, energetic conversations and, and there's more, there's a bigger crowds of kids together. But then you had all of that beautiful experience with, with nature. Like childhood <laughs> is lost today. You know, you had a childhood by the sounds of things. I did have a childhood. I, I didn't get an, a cell phone uh, until I uh, was 19. Uh-huh. Uh, so in that way, for me, the real world is having a landline telephone where you call your friends and say, hey, do you want to meet there at this time? And then you do that. <laughs> uh, and uh, all this uh, new technology in some ways uh, seems a little fake or <laughs> unreal. Uh, but yes, I had a real childhood. Aarhus University, how were your days there? I, in some sense, I quite liked being a student because you had a lot of freedom. Um, and I was the kind of student where I played the game too much. So for me, the game was get as good grades as you can without, with as little effort as you can. And so I was very good at just coming to a week before we had a test, I would just read and read and read and do a lot of similar tests and, and, and then do really well. And did you stay up uh, late at night before then? Uh, no, no, I, I need my beauty sleep. Uh, but uh, I think in hindsight, uh, I would actually recommend the exact opposite strategy, that, that you learn because you're interested in learning something. And, and, and uh, people obsess over the grades when they should actually obsess about getting some knowledge. So, so in that sense, I was a very good but bad student. So I'm uh, guilty. I'm guilty. I did the exact same thing, except I stayed up all night, actually, before exams. I was, I was like a slightly exaggerated version of that. But looking back, I'm, I'm almost ashamed of my younger self because it was just such a pointless exercise. In, in yeah, exactly, ways, because now know. I can remember nothing of it. Absolutely exactly. nothing I, I took away with me from, uh, from that place. Yeah. Um, but the beautiful thing about being a student in Denmark is that the government will actually pay you to study. Um, so, so you're being paid say 500 euros a month uh -huh. um, and most people listening will say oh that's not a lot but but when you were 18 or 19 that, that can buy you a lot of, uh, of pasta and, and tomato sauce uh, <laughs> and and so actually life was pretty good and um, and there was the safety net that, that if, if the company didn't do well I could also always just fall back on that I could always just fall back on uh, on studying and a lot of my friends did that like it's, it's a very Danish thing that, that you start a company next to to studying. Um, so, so, so I was very fortunate there that I didn't amass any student debt like you do in other countries. Uh, like the United States, for example. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I think that's a great thing about Europe. And of course, Denmark's an even better example than the average. You're even given money to, 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 to survive, basically, while you're doing it. Um, so uh, what drove you to, to build Trustpilot? And what was the initial problem you set out to solve? Yeah, so um, I created Trustpilot to solve two problems, really. So the first problem was that people like my parents could sometimes have a, sh a hard time shopping online and then they would get bad experiences because it, it could be very hard to see if you could trust a company or not and it could be hard to see if they would give you a good or bad experience because there was virtually no information about these businesses. And e-commerce was in, in its very um, early stages. Yes. 
Uh, and so I thought, hey, wouldn't it be better if you could compile all the customers' opinions about a business and put it somewhere trusted? And, and, and that it was necessary for that third party to be independent, both of consumers and of businesses. Because a lot of companies would say, hey, like we did a survey and 98.9% .9 of our customers love us. <laughs> and, and they would advertise with that. But, but, but if that's just the company saying that, it has no credibility. It has to be something else, uh, somebody else saying that, that you can actually trust. So, so that was the one problem I wanted to solve. So I think about that as, as when my parents, if they buy a new kitchen, they may want to buy it from a company that's a little cheaper, but will they then actually get a good experience? Okay. Uh, if they're going on a holiday, are they going to get a good holiday? Yes. Um, and so the beautiful part about Trustpilot is that you, then you can see what other moms think about a business before you buy. The other problem I wanted to solve was, was a personal problem I had, which is I was selling um, electronics online, selling them on eBay. And so the beautiful thing about selling stuff on eBay is that after each transaction, eBay will say, hey, what did you think about the purchase? Yes. Did it go well or did it not go so well? And so what that allows is it creates a world where the thought of buying a used cell phone from a gentleman in Hong Kong who claims that it's as good as new and he will send it to you if you just wire him some money isn't as crazy as it sounds because you can see that 10,000 other people did the same thing. Uh -huh. and, and so I sold a lot on the Ebays of the world and then I thought actually I would like to start my own website also and because that's what I saw other people did. So I did that and I thought lots of people were just going to buy automatically. The trouble was we did get some visitors, but nobody bought because yeah. they suspected that it was just Peter sitting in a basement with his friend, two kids <laughs> selling electronics. And the trouble with that was it was actually true. And I didn't want to refer them to the eBay's of the world because all my competitors were there. Yeah. So I thought, why isn't there a way where I can gather my customers' opinions and show it in a credible way so that people trust my business? And so that was really the, um, the starting point for Trustpilot was that I could help businesses and I could help consumers and everybody would be better off. So that was your starting point and at what point did you feel, oh, I've got product market fit, businesses are interested in listing with us and how did you get the businesses to trust you enough? So there were two stages of product market fit. So the first stage was the consumer product market fit and that was there from day one. Really, uh, we were very early to the market but I think we were right in predicting that opinion sharing would get popular. Yes. And so, so when we started, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no LinkedIn. Certainly I didn't know about them. They were just in, in the early stages. And so, so what has happened after us starting Trustpilot is that the, the opinion sharing online has just become so commonplace. Today you cannot buy a pizza without sharing your opinion about the pizza, the delivered person, and the company behind it all. You're taking it absolutely for granted, and if you're not being asked about your opinion, that's weird. So, but, but it wasn't like that back then. Sure. But people liked that. Because we're talking 2007. Exactly, we're talking 2007, and people like to read other people's opinions also, so everybody thought that that was interesting. Now, the second stage was then um, making companies interested, and, and so I was the first telesales representative for Trustpilot because there was just me to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if anybody has tried that, but I can actually be rather grueling, calling people cold and, and trying to persuade them that, that they should speak with you in the first place and then yeah. use your product in the second place and, and, and maybe even pay for it. Today it's nearly impossible. Yeah. And it was hard in 2007. It, it was, yeah. I think, I think it's just, and it, it, it can be soul crushing. Yes. Uh, but um, what we found was that we, we had 
product market fit with two types of customers. So the, the first type of customer was, was the one who was extremely customer oriented, who obsessed about the customer experience, but didn't feel rewarded for it. So often we would speak with people where they would say, hey, I care more about customer service than all of my competitors. I know that. They're not giving a good service. They're selling it much cheaper than me, but I don't get rewarded for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they saw, huh, if I can just show that, that's, that's really good. And then the other one was the ones who were the avant on the avant-garde of uh, customer opinion and online marketing, where they had also picked up that this opinion sharing and opinion consumption was popular. Yeah. Uh, so it was very much this about, about getting the early adopters and the small companies. And then as the small companies started doing it, their competitors said, hey, what's going on here? Uh, now this company is showing that their customers love them. Why can't <laughs> we do that? Yeah. And then, and then um, initially it was primarily online retail. Uh, but then other industries said, hey, uh, I, I, I've, see, I've seen this on all the retailers. So I'm selling broadband connections, or I'm selling you uh, a, a travel package, or I'm selling whatever it is. Why do customers not care about this in, in, in my world? Well, obviously they do. Uh, so in that sense, we also started to get a lot of businesses to self-select uh, onto the platform. Okay, so tell us how you, you, know, how you make money and give us an idea if that's if, if that's okay, of what uh, I know you're you're incredibly broad. I looked at the list of categories and I got dizzy. You know, it's uh, you, you're you're a huge play really in terms of volume of reviews. Uh, it's 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 remarkable, uh, and great credit to you. Um, but what would be the category? I, I know you don't want to limit it, but what would be the categories that would bring in? the bulk of the revenues currently for Trustpilot, and I know you're probably going to evolve into many other areas. Would it, because it looks to me like the, the, the kind of the meat of it is consumer, and yeah. the meat of it is, is uh, kind of consumer brands, and, and uh, is that a fair comment? Yeah, so, so partially for historic reasons though. Of course. Because, because uh, the early adopters of online marketing really were the online retailers. It, oh, it, yeah. it was e-commerce. So they're the ones who were onto this the first. Absolutely. And then came travel, uh, and then came everybody. Yeah. Uh, so we're now in the phase where we have a lot of retail, uh, we have a lot of travel, uh, we have a lot of services companies, yes. uh, also financial services companies. In the next episode, episode two of a trilogy with Peter Mullman, we double down on the company itself and find out what markets Trustpilot does particularly well in. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills, to Ketsu for the music, and to Anders Getz for the transcript. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins, if you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and of course, give the show a rating.